Good morning. So as usual, if you want the slides ahead of time, you actually, today it might be important because there's going to be a diagram later that's going to be very hard to read without the, uh, without the slides. I'm going to have this up later in the slideshow. Um, so you can, you can always access it later. Uh, but this is a way for you to be able to follow along in the slides while I, while I go. Actually, hey Chuck, I need the clicker as well. I don't have the slide clicker. It's right here. It's right here. Cool. All right. All unprepared. All right. So my name is Sean Scott. I'm the teacher this week. Oh, no. We don't have the... There's no Bluetooth uh, little piece. They put this little tiny Bluetooth piece in the, um, in the clicker, and, then, and it's like magnetic, but you're supposed to like put it back. Oh, we have it. It's the easiest thing in the entire world to lose. Um, look how small this is. Look at that. It's in the other one. Okay. Cool. All right. So let me, apologies for the technical difficulties. But we are studying, we're doing a series on the church. And I have the super long title, but I'm just going to give you like another minute to get the slides if you want them. I'm going to have this up later so you can access the diagram that we're going to be looking at that's very, very small with very small writing. So you probably will want that. If you don't get it now, you can get it later. We're studying uh, the church. Uh, this is our long title, Learning to Love the Glorious uh, Bride of Christ, the Neglected Doctrine of the Church. And then this week, we're going to be talking about the business of the church, which is such a formal uh, thing. I, we are loosely, actually pretty tightly, basing our whole Sunday school sort of uh, uh, outline on this book called The Enduring Community by Brian Habig and Les Newsom. Um, this is an excellent, excellent book, and I would highly recommend it. I am borrowing very heavily from this book. It's almost like an outline of each chapter that I'm doing because they have, they have put a really good resource together. And it is the book that I went through when I started coming to Redeemer with the former associate pastor here. He was like, hey, if you want to learn about the PCA, let's read this book together and uh, we can really talk about why we do what we do, um, which is really, it was a really helpful resource for me. Um, but what we're going to do first before I go into the rest of my slides is we're going to watch a video um, from someone who uh, is connected to the PCA and his name is Lloyd Kim. He's the, I think he's the director of MTW. Um, I think his title will come up on the video, but uh, it's the PCA's 50th anniversary. And so they put together some videos of people talking about sort of their experience with the church and the experience with the PCA. And what I want you to maybe even listen for as he's talking, it's a very short video. Just listen for how might the business of the church be um, on display as he's sharing what his experience has been with the church. So let me go out of here and go to the video. Here we go. Lloyd Kim, coordinator of Mission to the World, not, not director. So here we go. Kim, and I'm the coordinator of Mission to the World. Right after college, I moved down to Los Angeles and was working in LA and had to find a church. And the church that I found was um, a church that one of my good college friends, his uncle, was pastoring. It was called New Life Mission Church, PCA, in Orange County. And what drew me to the church was the pastors that were leading this church really invested in me, and they mentored me. And so um, after working a year or so, I went to seminary, 
and interned at the church and was ordained in that church. And so what was really beautiful is these older brothers who kind of came alongside and let me sit with them and watch them do ministry, the good, the bad, the ugly, I, mean, I saw it all and never losing sight of this desire to see the gospel go forward. And only God knows what the next 50 years um, will look like, but I imagine they will be very challenging as we are seeing more and more people uh, in our own context here in the United States, not growing up in Christian families, not having the heritage, not knowing lots of Christians and, and uh, engaging in the community of faith. I mean, what an incredible opportunity to be obedient to the Great Commission here, but also to send folks across the world to see the glory of Christ fill his creation. I mean, that would be uh, glorious to see the PCA, to see Mission to the World uh, continue to play our part in what God is doing across the world in such changing and tumultuous times. Okay, so in that short video, I feel like he really hit on a lot of things that have to do with the business of the church. So if I remember, I will come back to this and just sort of reference some of the things that he said. But my story, especially with, the, with this church, with Redeemer, it very much mirrors his. Like I was looking for, I was trying, well, I got involved in this church. If you were here last time I taught, I told you it's because I wanted to impress Julie's family. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm dating this girl. I should probably go to Redeemer. Um, and so that's why, that's why I ended up here. But through the faithfulness of people here at Redeemer, I ended up working here as the student ministry um, assistant and director. Um, and then I you know, left for a different vocation, but now I'm an elder. And, and it was because people faithfully applied the, the business of the church to the people of the church that I ended up where I am right now. And God used people and the church to, to, to like really drag me along this route. And I am just so grateful and so thankful for, for that reality. So he talked a lot about what the business of the church looks like practically, which is a way better, <laughs> to me, that's a way more fun thing to talk about rather than just sort of the, the, the theory and the concepts, right? Um, so let's see, so let's review a little bit. So the goals for the class, I like reviewing these every time because it sort of recenters us and that's uh, another thing that's helpful when you think about the business of the church. Uh, so the goals for this class are to awaken and, and or deepen your love for the church, which is the bride of Christ, uh, to deepen your love for the bridegroom, Jesus, who loves his bride, the church, and to embrace the privilege of being part of the church. Um, and we have covered thus far, like sort of what is the church? We, we spent a couple weeks looking at images that scripture uses to talk about the church. So uh, building, body, bride, uh, saints, right? We, we've, we've covered some of those things. Um, last week, Dave talked about sort of the, some of the differences between the invisible and the visible church and some of the messiness that comes along with that. And so this week we get to, we come to this, this idea of bi the business of the church. And uh, do you guys remember maybe in the, like I think in the, maybe the 90s, early 2000s, there, there was all this rage of finding like a mission statement, right? Whether it was uh, in the corporate world or, and now it's even like, it's like, I would almost say the, the newest iteration of this is personal branding, right? <laughs> so I get, I get uh, uh, f uh, fed ads on LinkedIn and direct messages all the time. Like, hey, have you thought about a side hustle? What's your brand? What's your personal brand? Like, what do you, you know? Um, by the way, you should connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, just kidding. Uh, th that, but the like, uh, this whole idea of having a mission statement, a personal sort of like, what, who am I, and what do I do, and and that that clearly applies to corporate, the corporate world as well. Like, what is our mission statement? I, I worked at the Y for a long time, and I still have the mission statement of the Y to put Christian principles into practice through programs that build a healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. 
That's been, that was drilled into me, not just as a camper at the Y, but also as a counselor and then a director. Um, and so this idea of mission statement, if it's, a, if it's a, a mission statement that you can return to over and over again, it's something that can help guide the way that you do anything, right? So what I want you to do, this is kind of a fun exercise. I've actually done this with the students before. Like, Take a few minutes or like just a minute with the person next to you and maybe try and come up with and be brave and take a stab at what is the mission statement for the church? Like what, what is like a one to two sentence mission statement that you would be willing to share with the group about what the church is supposed to be? So just take like a minute and talk about that. Redeemer, redeemer. I don't know, like just generally, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like, yeah, does, don't put too much thought in just what, what should the church do? What should the church be doing? What is the mission statement? All right, take another like 20 seconds or so. Button up that mission statement. Run it, run it by your lawyers and, you know. Yeah, focus groups, yeah. <laughs> right. All right, so would anyone be brave enough and willing to share what should the mission statement of the church, Redeemer, whatever you sort of, however you internalize that question, what should the mission statement of the church be? Yeah. Oh, okay, the Great Commission. I should have said don't use, like, the Great Commission. Um, but that's good. Yeah, great. Um, no scriptural references when we're talking about the church. No, no. That's going to be on the podcast, which is lamentable. Um, so, yeah, just got a thumbs up. Uh, anyone else? Yeah, great commission. That's a great start. I, I will probably talk about that pretty soon. Um, yeah. Oh, did you go to the Redeemer website? That's, we're going to talk about that later as well. Anyone, anyone else? I heard laughing over here. I feel like they should, yeah. To be kind to others because Jesus was kind to us. Yeah, that sort of reflects his commandments, right? Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's going to come up as well later. You guys are hitting on a lot of the things, yeah. To love Christ and to demonstrate his love to the world. That's a great one. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen to what the confession has to say. So it says, Unto the Catholic visible church, Christ hath given the ministry, oracles, and ordinances of God for the gathering and perfecting of the saints in this life to the end of the world, and doth by his own presence and spirit, according to his promise, make them effectual thereunto. Some of the older language aside, I actually have like a modern reading of that. Let me, let me read that one from, from here. This is, it says, To this universal visible church, Christ has given the ministry, oracles, and ordinances of God for the gathering and perfecting of the saints in this life to the end of the age. For this purpose, he makes these means effectual by his own presence and spirit according to his promise. What two words, maybe, jump out when considering a mission statement for the church? Are there any two words that particularly jump out at you? And yes, I'm looking for like specific words like here. I'm looking for something different. Any, yeah. 
Gathering and perfecting. Exactly. Yeah, good job. So those are like, Steve, you're not wrong, but I'm just, you know, so the, the, two, <laughs> but the, the two words I was looking for are this idea of like gathering and perfecting. Jesus' words to his disciples in the Great Commission are clear, right? So this is, good job, uh, Randy, right? Uh, you, you, you did it uh, with the, with the uh, Great Commission, right? What does the Great Commission say? Yeah, let me go to it real quick. Sit, keep going, Bert. What would you say? Observe, observe all that he commanded. Yeah, listen to, the, listen to 18 through 20, uh, which is really clear. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven uh, and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Does gather and perfect meet the criteria of the Great Commission? Absolutely, right? This idea of gathering and perfecting. And I think, what do you, what do you think they mean by gathering? What do you think the confession means when it says gathering? Bringing together, yes. Evangelizing. So gathering up, it sort of gives you um, a pic, maybe a picture of, of sheep, right? Take, getting sheep and, 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 and enfolding them, right? Uh, what else? Harvest, yeah, gather, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so the Great Commission is clear. Gathering people, bring them, bringing them into the family of God, right? And one of the main ways that we're gonna do that is through baptism, right? This external sign of this inward truth, right? Is bringing, bringing new people into the family of God. That's, Jesus is clear for his disciples and he's clear to us, right? This is our job. Our job is to, be disciples who are uh, learning, uh, who are continuing to grow and become more like Christ, but also we are, uh, we are tasked with going out. And, and we're going to talk a lot about this as we go on, about what it looks like to not just think about these, uh, these terms of gathering and perfecting or uh, reaching and teaching, or what, you know, we're going to kind of go through some of these different uh, parallels, but also to be sharing this, this truth with others so that others might be brought into the fold. And then teaching. So Jesus is clear again and he said, when he says, teach them to, to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So they're saying it's clear that you should not just uh, bring people in, but you should continue to pour into their lives. You should continue to teach them. Right now we're in Sunday school. This is the, we're doing the business of the church, right? When we, when we think about uh, gathering, you're here and you're wanting to learn more about the church. And so we're trying to bring that to you and teach you all the things that Jesus commanded. And, and, and all of the ways that he's at work in the early church um, and that, how that's sort of led to where we are uh, now, right? All of our children are down in Sunday school right now. We're trying to teach them uh, the ways of, of, of the king, right? The king's will. This is perfecting, right? And so the confession also talks about some of these tools or the gifts that, uh, that come along with this mission. So they talk about the ministry, the oracles, and the ordinances. So if we think about the ministry in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Paul talks about the giving of the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers, giving uh, those who have gifts to teach and gifts to care for uh, people in the body. Uh, this has a lot to do with um, executing our ministry, right? Doing ministry, doing uh, life in the church. Uh, and we'll talk about ways that uh, we should think about um, like how to do that well and how to stay within the bounds of scripture and not get too distracted, right? But 
of crucial importance is uh, min- the ministry of the word, right? Getting the word in front of people because that helps them both get, we, it helps uh, get, do the gathering and the teaching, right? As we get the word in front of people. Keep walking away from my computer. Um, the oracles, so the word of God, it's a testimony to the will of God. We believe that the word is infallible. We believe that it is without error. We believe that it is something that is powerful and has power over souls, right? Like people hearing the word, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't go, like they, they're not unaffected when they hear the word of God, right? We, we believe that God is always at work. That's another theme we're going to talk about later as well, is that God is always working through, um, uh, you know, the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word. And then ordinances. So the sacraments, were, they're given to, uh, to us as a gift, really, to convey the realities of the gospel and to help build up the people of God. We celebrated communion, right? And, and it's just this beautiful reminder of Jesus' work and, and, and our new reality, right? That he, uh, that he died for us, that he uh, gave us access to, to the Father, right? Because of his death and because his, his death was uh, sufficient and, his, and he rose again and he is seated at the, at the right hand of the Father. We celebrate these things. This helps the people of God. Uh, that It helps teach and perfect us, right? And so, how many of you are familiar with the three, maybe the three marks of the church? Who has heard that before? Yeah, does anyone know what they are? Besides Dan? Um, what are the three marks of the church? So this is, if, if I'm thinking about students who are in 12th grade, and they're going to go off to college, and they're going to be looking for a new church, one of the things, and we wouldn't necessarily only use this language, but uh, one, I, I, would, I would use these three concepts as like the three places to start and to dig in on what does this church believe? What do they, how do they, how do they think about doing ministry and how do they, um, just how do they execute their business, right? And these are, these are three crucially important things. What's that? Okay, yeah. So faithful ministry of the word, yes? Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Let's, we'll start with that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> we'll start with this one. So listen to Paul in Romans. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then uh, can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how uh, can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So when we think about what is important for the church to be doing, it, the church should be preaching the word of God, right? Uh, the 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 uh, the church should be doing what Paul, I love Paul's like logical train here. He's like, okay, um, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's great. But how can they call the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? This lines up with the great commission, right? Go forward and make disciples by teaching them all that I have commanded to you, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. They, what we're saying here is that the word has power over people. When the word is preached, it's not that the person who's preaching is powerful or is perfect, but that God is working through that and, and is changing people and is bringing more people to himself. It's, he's gathering people that way. Um, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the, power, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's not the gospel will show you who has the power or where the power is. It is the power of God, right? Uh, so we want to be faithful to the ministry of the word. And then, yeah, what was the second mark of the church? Sacraments. Sacraments. Yes, right administration of the sacraments. And I literally am going to just skip over this because the next two weeks we're going to talk pretty heavily about 
the sacraments. Uh, we're going to talk, I think the next two weeks, we're going to do one on baptism and one on communion and really unpack that. And I think it's going to be a video uh, series from Sinclair Ferguson. Yes, awesome. So that'll be, we're going to, you know, hold off on that. We're going to talk more about that in the, ne- in the coming weeks. And we're also going to talk about church discipline in more detail. Uh, that's the third mark of the church, right? So um, the word, the sacraments, and church discipline. Uh, why do you think church discipline is an important, like, is important enough to make that list of three? It maintains the purity of the church, yes. Yeah, it reclaims the lost, absolutely. Yeah, so it, it demonstrates the authority that it's, as we mirror sort of Jesus' leadership uh, to, um, to, to his bride, the church, like we're, we're supposed to be taking on that sort of sacrificial but also proclamatory role and, 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 and this idea of authority and being able to come alongside. When we think of church discipline, what is the, like, obviously you probably think, oh, someone sitting down with a pastor or an elder and being sort of slapped on the wrist, right? Maybe that's the first like the default image that comes to mind, but I think it's also like in Galatians we see about bearing burdens, right? Um, and, and coming alongside gently and, and trying, to, trying to regain our brother, right? And that doesn't, that doesn't mean just leadership to congregant, right? That means friend to friend. That means believer to believer, right? And so this idea of discipline, if we think of it in, a, in just bringing, like re- reclaiming the loss, gathering loss, bringing them back, um, we think of we think of doing the business of the church through being involved in each other's lives, right? It requires a, a level of uh, being involved in, in one another's lives so that we might have that capital built up, so that we can share, we can dive into the Word together, we can pray together, we can really help each other when we've either gone astray or, or, or suffering, um, and and might be doubting because of that, things like that, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so the, yeah. Yeah, and when we, yeah, so Steve said, I'm trying to remember to repeat things for the podcast. So Steve said that there's a positive, like a positive and a negative side of, of discipline. Discipline is actually a good thing, especially when we think about if we relate it for those of us who have children, <clears throat> like you wouldn't just let your kids do whatever, right? Like you would, it would, it seem, you understand that it's loving to bring your kids and correct them if they've done something wrong, right? Uh, that's a very simple concept, but yeah, we can have this negative view of discipline that it's just scolding, reprimanding, like, you know, how dare you? Um, but it, 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 there's a positive side to it too, which is submitting yourself to the word and to the teaching and to the preaching um, of the word, right? Uh, but then there's also this, uh, this necessary thing of taking someone who is straying and trying to bring them back, right? And getting the word of God in front of them and saying, this is what Jesus commanded, right? Like, do you, do you, do you believe in him? Do you want to follow him, right? This, this, there can be this um, really more serious, but also like necessary and loving thing of, of, of trying to bring someone back, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, grace is a huge part of this because it sort of if you're not willing to to to, to um, if you're not willing to be uh, corrected, you're probably not very humble, which means that you're probably having a hard time accepting grace for yourself and and really seeing your sin as the problem, right? Um, so there's that that element of correction is really important. I keep walking so far away from. My... All right. So if you're evaluating a new church, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yes, yeah, so Kirk said that the, the relationship equity is important, especially when considering discipline, because you better know your people if you're going to, if you're, you know, it, it's, it's incumbent on us as leaders and as, even as just you as congregants to, to be involved in each other's lives, to meet new people, to really enfold people, to start building relationship, to attend um, maybe church fellowship events, to be able to do these things, not only so that you can come to them when something goes wrong, but it gives you the ability to encourage them when they're when things are tough, because you can recall what God has already done in their life, right? But also, um, it gives you it gives you the ability to sit down and say, "Hey, I think that you're, I think that you're kind of wandering. Like, let's let's talk about what's going on. That's crucially important. I am going to talk about that a little bit later. So we get from this like theoretical business of the church, like all of these terms and sort of what it outlines, and all, you know, and then we sort of think we're going to. We're going to talk about what that looks like in in practicality in real life in the in the in the life of the church, which is what I love talking about more, maybe even than this uh, some of this stuff, right? If I'm being honest. Um, so, mission of the church. So here, I'm just going to recap sort of some of the things that we've talked about, and even share some of the different, maybe the different terminology that you've heard that that all sort of fits into what we're what we're saying here. So we talked about gathering and perfecting, um, but another way to think about this is baptizing and teaching, right? or making disciples and teaching all that Jesus commanded. Or the three marks of the church, if you're evaluating a new church, you, this is, it is of utmost importance that you, um, we don't want you to leave Redeemer. I'm just saying in theory, like, uh, you know, when you're thinking about a church, dig into these three areas. How do they treat the word? How do they, do they preach the word regularly through books of the Bible? Do they, do they, do they uh, carefully handle the word of God? Are they administering the sacraments? What do they believe about the sacraments? Um, and then is there... Is, is church discipline important to them or is it just sort of laissez-faire? Everybody kind of, no, we don't, you know, we don't really want to be involved in that way. Or, or is it too strong? Is it being abused? Is it, it, are, you know, are the leaders of the church really, uh, you know, looking for every opportunity to, to, to criticize or reprimand someone, right? And then for us, this is where was Bert was, uh, you know, talking about the, this idea of helping each other to know and follow Jesus. That's sort of our tagline, our, our, our shorter, our shorthand sort of mission statement is that Redeemer, we want to help people know and follow Jesus. And that's not just like knowing, knowing Jesus is, is that's um, hitting on both areas of uh, new believers. We want to bring people in. We want to gather in new believers and get them in front of the word of God that we believe is the power, uh, like the gospel is the power of Jesus, right? At work in people's lives. And we want to help people who already know Jesus to know Jesus better and more and, and, and that's why we're doing the Sunday school class. It's one of our goals is that you would love Jesus as he loves his bride, the church, right? Um, and then follow Jesus. That's, that's continuing to learn, continuing to um, uh, walk alongside one another, continuing to pray with one another, continuing to uh, minister to the needy, to 
work with our children at VBS to uh, volunteer when there is a need, uh, right? It's not just learning academic principles, but being involved and jumping in and helping the body with the gifts that you've been given. What are some distractions that take the church off mission? It's like, what, is, what couldn't be a distraction, right? Uh, yeah. Politics. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Left, right, center, up, down. Yeah, okay. What else? Culture wars. Yeah, absolutely. Any, any willingness to tell me what that means? Or like, give me some real examples of that? Culture wars. Extreme relativism, so nothing matters because no one's, we can't know truth. Right, yeah, rel- extreme relativism, yep, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and tempted to like, move on to this to a few slides from now but i'm going to talk about that and i love that i love that we have we can explore some of those things because i think you're right michael that uh what are you know extreme rigidity is maybe the opposite of extreme relativism and that can totally be a tangent yeah Mm. so for over you know, focusing too much on the experience, right, of the, uh, right, yeah, seeker sensitive, like, is, is the, you know, did I feel, what I, right, yeah, that's dangerous, yeah. Saw a hand, yeah? Mm. Yeah. Watering down the gospel, that is so dangerous. Julie and I, we were driving somewhere yesterday, and I saw a rainbow bumper sticker on a car and it said Jesus is inclusive right and I was like oh no <laughs> like <laughs> you're so you know you're you're maybe kind of close I don't know but you I, Julie I think you said I just want to talk to them I just want to I just want to like open up the Bible and be like can you talk tell me what you're talking about right um, which yeah so like absolutely what else what are other distractions Gossip, yeah. Yes. Clickiness. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good one. So the perception, being aware of the what is the perception of your of the body, right? And in some ways, that's not all that fair, right? Like you might even, you might be able to argue that, but at the same time, if someone's coming in and they get it, they get a, they get an aroma of something that's distracting them from uh, focusing on the word of God, right? It, we should know, we should want to know that, right? Like redeemers should want to know that and, and be able to address it and think through well, what are the ways that we might, you know, be a little bit like, how can we, um, I don't think that clicks are inherently like, like it's not bad to have close friends, the way I talk to, uh, the way I've said this to like students before is like, if you have a circle of friends, is the perception of that circle a closed circle or is it a circle that's like open for more people to join in, right? 
Um, and so I don't think, like, I think we, sh- we want you to have close friends. We want you to have some people that you're closer with. You don't have to be the same amount of friend with everybody here, right? <laughs> like, that's just not realistic. Um, but, but making sure, and even as adults, we can totally um, fail at this, right? In, in making sure that the, the friendships that we have are, are sort of outward facing and looking to engraft in, in and, and fold others, right? Um, that can help with a lot of the perception issues. Any others before we move on to our diagram? Any other distractions? So, oh yeah, go ahead. Tom. Celebrity, yes. Celebrity, yeah, absolutely. There's probably podcast after podcast series on that, on the ways that that's happened in the church and, you know, and all the damage that that can do and, Wow. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Tim Keller, you're saying that Tim Keller, when he, if he was preaching elsewhere, he would not publicize that so that nobody would just, so that that church wouldn't feel, I mean, can you imagine that church feeling completely overwhelmed by, uh, you know, Oh my gosh, it's Tim Keller, right? And, and that sort of it distracts, that takes the church off mission, right? For sure. All right, we're going to talk about this, this diagram of the rocket. I wrote that in all caps and I meant to change it because <laughs> I was like doing my outline. Um, but the rocket, it's, really, it's a really helpful diagram. So I'm going to put the, um, the QR code back up there. If you grab the QR code, it's like slide 13 on the slideshow, I think. So if you want to look at it, because this is really small, and if I made it bigger, it doesn't actually help because it's like long ways. So here's, this is a diagram that's given to us by, uh, I think originally RUF, um, but then it was adapted for RYM. If you guys aren't familiar with those organizations, RYM is Reformed Youth Ministries. It's a uh, sort of like a, it's a ministry that seeks to help the local church and particularly with uh, their student ministries by offering trainings and, and conferences for uh, youth leaders, but also putting on a summer uh, conference for students as well. When, we, when I went to those uh, conferences in January, the youth leader training, they would spend a lot of time talking about philosophy of ministry, right? So building a really solid foundation for your ministry uh, so that you could uh, do ministry well without being distracted, right? And so one of the diagrams is this idea of the rocket. So I'm going to probably butcher this and I don't have enough time to do the entire thing. But basically what I want, what we just talked about, if you look at the arrows that are sort of pointing one way or the other, on the, on the right side here, it says theological tangents and ethical tangents. So look at the rocket. At the very bottom, it says Bible, church, God, individual learning demographics, uh, individual and then learning demographics. So what those are called are presuppositions. So all of these things that as you think about what the church is made up of, living stones, right? Everybody's different. Everybody is bringing something like different to the table. Um, everyone is, uh, thinks about uh, maybe education differently. Maybe every, everyone sort of brings a different set of gifts uh, to, to a church body. And so those things are not incompatible with what the mission of the church actually is. But what we want to do is we want to focus on the body of the rocket here, which is Scripture. Scripture uh, is the foundation for everything, right? So gathering and then teaching, right? We believe that the, wor- the, uh, the Word is the power of God, but it also helps us to learn more about who Jesus is, and it helps us to fall more in love with Jesus, right? And so that undergirds everything. And then these principles that we believe are, are crucial to understanding 
the like right Christian doctrine. So uh, justification, sanctification, glorification. So justification is I am uh, uh, saved and I am made righteous, right? So I have the righteousness of Jesus when I come to know and follow him. Um, and that matters for my salvation, right? Sanctification, this idea of definitive and progressive sanctification. So yes, I'm righteous, but during, through this life, he is making me more like himself. And then glorification, I will be with him again in eternity. And uh, if, if we are pulled to one side or the other with our theological tangent, so if we're maybe overly rigid or our church is really, really wants everyone in the community to know that we have this one very particular view on this very particular thing, uh, but it sort of distracts from talking about uh, you know, the great, or from, from executing the Great Commission, which is wanting more and more people to come and know and follow Jesus, right? If we get pulled that way, or if we get pulled on an ethical tangent or a cultural tangent, right? Like, uh, we want everyone to know that Redeemer, um, I'm not going to, I don't, you know, the, the, the one that popped into my head was, everybody at Redeemer votes this way, right? That's, you can see how that would be a super dangerous thing and a distraction from the actual mission of the church, right? Um, and so what happens to a rocket if it, if it tilts too far one way or the other? Boom, right? <laughs> yeah, it's more like a missile. That's right. I think that's literally what they say is like, if you think about a rocket and the power that a rocket has and the, you know, the combustion engine, I'm not a science person, but like everything happens, the fire, and then it launches and it goes really, far, really high in the air, right? Well, what happens if it tilts and it hits something else, right? It doesn't go where it's supposed to. It can be destructive. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so as we think about this, I, we're gonna, I'm going to do, I think I have another um, class that I'm teaching towards the end of this, this series, and we're going to actually look at a couple more of these diagrams that they have for us. But just think about this as we think about the business of the church. If we want to be gathering and perfecting, if we want to uh, be disciples who are making disciples and teaching all that Jesus commanded, um, we have to be aware that there's tangents, there's ways that we can get distracted and off mission that can be incredibly destructive, um, right? I know that's not really joyful, but let's move on to some more practical things and talk about what the business of the church like looks like. Um, so what? So we have this idea of the business of the church. We want to know and follow Jesus. We want to help make disciples. So what? What does this look like in real, in real terms? As we focus on all of these terms, right? Gather, perfect, reach, and equip. Know and follow. Make disciples. Teach them Jesus' words. We, gotta, we have to think, and this is what I was talking about, what Kirk was talking about earlier with the individual. Having individual relationships and being able to sit down over God's word and talk about what God is doing in each of our lives with one another is a very practical way that the business of the church meets reality. So if I'm sitting down to have a conversation with someone and we're, we're over coffee and we're talking about, we're talking about life, it, you know, we get to talk about what is God doing in our lives. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe we met because there's a, there's a crisis happening or we're really struggling with something, but even if we're not, even if things seem pretty good, we can have this conversation. What, is God, what do you feel like God's doing in your life, right? How do you see God at work? Uh, Eugene Peterson says, spiritual direction takes place when two people agree to give their full attention to what God is doing in one or both of their lives and seek to respond in faith. What this assumes is if you're just having a casual coffee meeting with someone and, they're just and you're just talking and nothing seems to be wrong, we still assume that God is at work in your life, right? So the business of the church is being involved in one another's lives. This is what Kirk was talking about earlier, right? Building that capital, and, but also starting to learn about what is God doing in your life? Even if things are pretty good, God is doing something, right? 
he's, he's, he's working. It's not just in times of crisis or in times of like joy and like, you know, mountaintop experiences, right? Like he's always at work. You're either uh, walking towards him or walking away, right? There's not really middle ground there. And so uh, what we assume when, when, we, when we hear a quote like this, like spiritual direction takes place when two people agree to give their full attention to what God is doing in one or both of their lives. We assume that God is always doing something that responding to God is not actually guesswork, right? Like we, we should be on this journey of not just knowing one another, but knowing him. So we should, be, we should spend time in prayer. That helps us uh, to not only be aware of what God is doing in our lives, but it helps us help the church do its business, right? As we can share with others and give testimony to what God is doing in our lives or what he has done. Um, and then also, we sort of get the sense that each soul is unique. No wisdom, I love this, no wisdom can simply be applied without discerning the particulars of this life, this situation. So trying to put someone in a box is a mistake, right? Um, this is why we have this idea of we have a, that, that we have like a fixed theology, but a flexible methodology. These are all things that I'm going to share with you, but that I had to wrestle with as I tried to do student ministry faithfully. I had to wrestle with all of these things like all the time. We can't cookie cutter people, right? We can't just say, oh, you know, you, well, this, this, you know, this 10 step program is going to be right for you, right? Like, you know, I know that you're struggling with this, but that sort of cheapens their individual experience, right? That doesn't, uh, afford them the time to, to share and to really unpack what God is maybe doing through whatever's going on in their life. We should avoid golden calf programs, right? So our church believes something doctrinally, right? But we don't say that the only way to accomplish, uh, you know, church is to do it this exact way. There are certainly wrong ways to do it, but there doesn't have to be a right way. So avoid clinging too tightly, you know, hold loosely the church your church program, your favorite church program, right? We should evaluate traditions and, and ask whether they help with the core mission or not. Is this something that helps us uh, uh, to know and follow Jesus and helps others to know and follow Jesus? Um, and then we should see people before we see programs, right? The Lord has made each one of us unique, right? That is a presupposition that we believe. We believe that God has made us all to be unique and so we should spend time with people. This is not to say that people should just avoid going to church programs because I'm just, that can't be for me. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we can, you know, as a church exists longer and longer and longer, right? Like if, as we continue to uh, grow as Redeemer, we should really be willing to evaluate, like, is this helping us gather and, and perfect the saints? Is this helping us uh, to, uh, is this helping us to help others know and follow Jesus? Um, and then last thing, this idea of organization versus organism, right? So if, the church, if we think about the church as an organization, our particular church with our membership vows and our specific flock, well, think about the church also as an organism, something that grows and it gradually moves in its influence. So it's, it's an organization full of living stones that are being built up and made more like Christ. So it can't, it, there's no other choice but for it to have this effect on uh, like the watching world because it's continuing to grow. Um, in order that more would be gathered and baptized and brought into the family of God. So what, that, what, I'm, what they're saying here is um, like the organization matters because the organism matters because bringing more people into that organization matters, right? This is all very, 
it can, it can seem very cold, but like this matters because people matter. Attendance matters because people matter, right? Uh, finding ways to bring the word of God in front of people matters because people being impacted by the word of God matters because we believe it is the, it, like the gospel is the power of Jesus, right? At work in people's lives. Yes. Right. Right. And if the vine gets too crazy and too wild, you might have to think about pruning and shrinking the trellis and, and bringing things back into, into focus. Yeah, so Dan was talking about the trellis and the vine. So think about, yeah, yeah. I think everyone knows what that is, a trellis, like the structure where the vine is, uh, where, where the vine is attached. If, if the structure can support the vine, then the vine can grow, right? Um, so that's all I got. I'm one minute over. Um, if there's any, like, I'd love to talk to you more if there's any questions, but we'll come back next week and we'll talk about the sacraments. So um, let's go to worship.